started as any other day. Hey everybody, welcome back to Macabre Reality, true stories of everyday horror. Your boys are here. Your boys are here. Of course, I'm talking about uh, my man, Matt, the council. How you doing, buddy? Yo, 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 what's up? How's it going, everybody? <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Okay, okay. Uh, we both went on a trip recently because, mm-hmm. and you know, we took a little break. Yeah. So, sorry, not sorry, mobsters. Where did you go? I went to the zoo. Um... Which zoo? The zoo in Columbia, South Carolina. Riverbanks? Riverbanks Zoo. It's a decent zoo. It's nationally ranked. Did y'all go um, like on a day trip or did y'all stay yeah, No, we went on a day trip because we went in the morning because we have a child. Right. And he took a nap on the way home. And that was the plan. Gotcha. And it worked. Nice. Yeah. Was it nice? It was. His favorite animals. I told everybody this. What was, what was Oscar's favorite animals? His favorite animals. Can I guess? Yeah. So did he have one particular favorite? They're not actually animals, so I don't know if you're gonna oh, guess this. Actually, okay, never mind. His favorite animals were a tractor that was in the petting zoo part of the zoo. Okay, and then the train that was going around the park. Shit. Yeah, he you, loved that. We got, he you rode got that little, shit. You got a little engineer. Yeah, he he did not really care about the animals at all. Right, took a picture really close to a giraffe, and he was just like boring. Whatever, he yawned. Whatever. Yeah, fucking fucking giraffe. He's like, take me to the tractor, Dad. Like, where's its wheels? You know. Where's the scooping? How does part? it pick up? Yeah, how does it pick up dirt? I don't. Yeah. I'm not getting it. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, I, Although, I think you got a little engineer on your hands. I hope so. Yeah, make daddy some money. <laughs> um, he did think the draft was playing basketball though. It's kind of cute. Maybe I'll post that picture on our Instagram because there's, I don't know. They have like a, this little. It looks like a basketball hoop. Mm-hmm. Where they put hay so the draft can eat because he's got a long ass neck. You know what I'm right. saying? And they put a ball up there. I guess he got, to make and he got a long ass tongue. Yeah. Yeah. And there might be something in that ball, like a, maybe a salt lake or something. Yeah. Who knows? Sure. I don't know. Hey, email us at macabpod1 at gmail.com if you ever worked at a zoo or you know it's in that little ball. Okay. What little ball are we talking about? It's like a little hoop and a ball. A hoop and a ball mm-hmm. hanging like from a tree? It's not hanging. It's on a metal pole that's like oh. 30 foot tall. So it's so the it's, so it looks like goes a, and starts licking this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I think they put hay in there just so it like looks like it's playing basketball. I'm just sort of God, that's what it looks like it's doing. It looks like it's fucking shooting a ball or right. like pushing the ball into the hoop. Right. But that's... the ball doesn't go anywhere. Anyways, he thought that was hilarious. That's hilarious. And then we saw the gorilla eating kale. It's a very healthy gorilla there. Oh, that's the, nice. At the Riverbank Zoo. Oh uh, yeah. So and I and what'd you do? I went to Charleston. Okay. Yeah. Charleston, South Carolina. That's right. I heard it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, uh, <laughs> I've heard it and I've seen we, it. We, yeah. And we went to the beach, to Folly Beach, and it was fucking windy, like crazy the whole time. Okay. Fun. We were out there for like 15 minutes and had to leave. No, it was not fun. And the sand was We got you? covered in sand. <laughs> we tried to lay out, uh, and that just didn't last. Because <laughs> it was just a constant. Apparently, so apparently there's a storm that came through, like from Texas. Okay. Thanks I a found lot, this Texas. out later. Yeah, thanks a lot. Because uh, I had called my dad later and told him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, it's windy up here too." Oh, it was super windy. Was it windy? Super at, windy. Was were you in Columbia that day? Yeah, very. So, yeah, it was all over the state. I think it was all over the southeast. Yeah, very so windy. It was, it was just 
bad timing to go to the beach. So you were just getting like sandpapered. Yes. Like when, when it got up, like I was, it took like several showers to clean all the sand Ooh. out of my right ear. Cause it was, just, <laughs> it was like, cause I'll come from one side. We're laying down. Like I was like in retrospect, like why even bother trying to lay out? Yeah. Um, it's like, we can't even put the towels out. Yeah. No, the towels were covered. Like, so at first it was like, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't get them to like settle down, like from the wind blowing. But then afterwards they were covered in sand. It was like fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark, like pulling our <laughs> towels out. Our first clue was when we tried to do our towels to put them out, they flew the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> they were gone, gone with the wind. You yeah. should have left. That should have but instead, that we took all of our us, clothes off and laid down we, on it. We, yeah. And you know that's how they make glass. So you were just getting glassed. I know. Damn, dude. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Well, I am Josh Blaze and Bless as usual. Today we have a main story. Back to the main stories, baby. Um, and I'm just going to let Matt just take this one away. Take it away. New York City in 1911 was a place of social change. The workers' rights movements of the progressive era were challenging the Gilded Age values of making money no matter the cost to workers' health, safety, or quality of life. Hey, what was the Gilded Age? The Gilded Age is like post-Civil War era ah. when it's like the robber barons age when like people were making crazy amounts of money. And it was like America, uh, I mean, still does, but like in a much more pure form at this time uh, was viewed itself as a country where you make like making money is the highest virtue okay and being clever like you know in in money making and entre- that that whole spirit was what prevailed okay and so there wasn't much this came before people gave much consideration to like the rights of workers and how you treat people in your pursuit of money okay and acquiring wealth so not much has changed then so it's not yeah we're we're basically <laughs> the same country okay um, but this was at a time when, cause the one had to come before the other, the r- like rampant capitalism had to come before the consideration of workers' rights. Cause it had to happen. The, you know, the crime has to happen before the response. Right. And so, yeah, workers back in the day, back in like 19th century, there was n- little to no regard for their well being. Um, yep. And so Amazon, <laughs> right. Like Amazon today. Anyway. But there weren't even the concept of yeah, like right, right, of right. like a pension or of like you know yeah. hours and like how like work days of unions of uh, wages of like vacation all, all kinds of shit yeah <laughs> vacation yeah right um so there's a time when government took a very hands off approach to free enterprise and in turn companies showed an astonishing lack of regard for the conditions they put their workers in on March 25th 1911. This callousness towards the working class would be put on horrific display to thousands of onlookers in the city and would change the workers' rights movement forever. We call this story a burning triangle of fire, the shirtwaist factory inferno. Hey. Hey. And I'm going to tell you right now, all of you are wondering what the fuck shirtwaist means. This shirtwaist factory is a factory where people make shirts next door and put the extra shirt that they cut off Maybe maybe they're making a crop top. Maybe they're making a short sleeve out of long sleeve fabric. That shirt waist goes next door to another factory and it just sits there. Thank you. Um, okay. And thank you, Matt. Keep going. Thank you. We'll get to that Oh, uh, a little bit more in just a moment. 
So not not what I said. So no, not they're not uh, the waste from uh, shirts next being made next door. Oh, okay. So waste being <laughs> like your belt. Waste W A I S T. Mm. Yeah, I was wrong, mobsters. Continue. Mm. The garment industry, known then as today for its poor treatment of workers, uh, was consisted mostly of women and girls, and a large proportion of them immigrants, and they were treated to very tedious work low wages, long hours, and seven-day work weeks. Basically, they were working in sweatshops, and conditions were so bad that in 1909, women working in shirtwaist factories, again, button-up blouse. Um, Not the waist of shirts? No. Okay. Uh, women who worked in uh, shirtwaist factories throughout New York City went on strike. That was in 1909. And while it was, the strike was successful overall, not all factory owners were willing to make concessions. Two such owners were Max Blank and Isaac Harris, the owners of the Triangle Waste Company. I thought you said we could cuss on this podcast. Uh, what are you talking about? Max Blank. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Max Blank. You can. What's his last name, though? <laughs> it's Blank. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Now, you said seven-day work weeks. Now, when did they get a day off? <laughs> the eighth day or <laughs> what was that? But, I don't buddy, they don't get a day off. I'm understanding this. Yeah, they don't get a day off. Oh, wow. Can you imagine that shit? No, I cannot. <laughs> <That's why laughs> would, that be, would that not be terrible? That would be awful, yes. The Triangle Waste Company was located on the 8th, 9th, and 10th floors of the appropriately named Ash Building mm-hmm. nice. just off of Washington Square Park. The building, which stands to this day, was relatively new at the time, having been built in 1901 to ni- uh, 1900 to 1901. Okay. It only built took a year? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, this is 10 getting, floors in 1900. Is, I mean, 1900, this is getting pretty modern. And okay. it's only a 10-story building, so it's not like a huge building. Yeah, that's still but, yeah, 10 floors. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, they wired them, it, it? It took them less than two years it, to do it. They, it's got electricity in it, I'm, I'm assuming? Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, elevators, ash every, building, everything, rooms, doors. I mean, come on, though. You, you shouldn't name it the ash building. Yeah. That is foreshadowing. So, <laughs> yeah. That's backshadowing, too. It's not real. The workers of the company factory were on the eighth and ninth floors and were packed in so tightly they barely had any elbow room. Uh, the executives and administrative staff were on the tenth floor. It was on a Saturday afternoon, about 4.40 p.m. on March 25th, 1911, when the worst industrial disaster in the history of New York City would begin. It's unknown exactly how the fire started, but it's believed to have been caused by a cigarette tossed into one of the scrap bins under the cutter's table on the 8th floor. However it started, it spread very rapidly. Hey, so you're left-handed. See? I'm right-handed. Right. We can't sit next to each other while we eat. Right, I always elbows. I always have to sit with my left out mm-hmm. to with nobody on that side. Correct. So imagine you don't have any elbow room at all in this place. What mm-hmm. if a left-handed person who's sewing, right-handed person sewing next to that person, they wouldn't get any work done. They would just bump elbows all day long. No, you. It sounds no, terrible. Yeah. It sounds. They worse probably than what eventually happened. They probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> That sounds like they would have welcomed like, the fire. That sounds like a nightmare. Um, they probably would have made you do it right-handed. Um, Ooh. That's just what my people have been through uh, <laughs> over the centuries. Oh, I, never they, mind. They I used forgot. to they used to like force you to be right-handed if you're left-handed. Well, you know that they considered it like a very bad thing. Left-handed people weren't even around until 1930s. Or right. Something. Exactly. So that, no, bad. they're always around. I forgot yeah. about that. 
This um, is before left-handed people were even around. My before, they al- before they allowed them to be, be <laughs> around. Yeah. Uh, within minutes of the fire starting, a bookkeeper on the eighth floor frantically informed the 10th floor of the fire via telephone. At that point, everyone on the 10th floor, including the executives, thank God, oh, yeah, thank, thank uh, God. went up the stairway to the roof. And this is part is crazy when I heard this. An NYU law professor and law students in an adjacent building heard the scream coming from the the screams coming from the ash building and lowered ladders onto the roof, allowing those on the roof of the ash building, about 60 to 80 people, to escape within about 10 minutes of the fire starting. Dope. Isn't that wild? That's, That's like yeah. some like diehard shit. Um, and what would prove to be a catastrophic oversight, however... The switchboard operator on the 10th floor who had received the call about the fire from the 8th floor failed to notify the employees of the 9th floor. For those unfortunate people, their first warning that there was a fire was the fire itself. Hey, I'm a fire over here. <laughs> I'm just cracking wise, but you ladies near, seriously need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> All right, now let me, let me be the fire. Okay. I want to be the fire. Okay? And I'm going to call you. Okay. Because the lady didn't call. So this is what's happening. The lady called the 10th floor, didn't call the 9th floor. Right. Right? So the fire called the 9th floor. Okay. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. Um, hello? 9th floor? You want to play a game? Uh, excuse me? Do you want to solve a riddle? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you're going to have to or else you're going to die today. Well, I don't want to. Well, you have to. So here's the riddle. Here's my riddle one. I don't want to hear it. Here's this riddle three. I don't want to hear one. it. You got to hear it. Click. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. Oh, ninth floor. Hey, I'm just trying to get, reach somebody to tell you how you can save some money on your, your life insurance. Uh, I'm sorry. We don't. Just kidding. So. You want to play a game? Oh, you no, no, no. Answer a riddle? No. We're going to answer a riddle. No, fuck your riddle. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you something important. <laughs> here's my riddle. If you could tell me what I am, I'll, I'll put myself out. Oh shit, I said too much. <laughs> I do a spirited jig, I dance so bright, banishing all but the darkest night. Give me food and I will live. Give me water, I will die. What am I? What am I answer now to live? Fire! Click, click. And scene. And scene. Oh, man, I'm telling you put what. Some, put some music in that. Our improv skills are really getting there, man. I don't know where, but they are getting there. It's just, hey, it just takes practice. Hey. Thus, when the fire exploded onto the ninth floor, they were totally unprepared and a panic overtook the room. Crucial time to escape had been lost, and their options for getting out alive were fewer and fewer by the minute. Although there were several stairways to exit the floor, one was blocked by flames and the other by a door that was locked by management to prevent employee theft. And the guy who, who was there, to, who had the key to unlock it, took off. Yeah, he's the one of the ones that climbed up the fucking building. Right. <laughs> Soon the means of escape were only a couple of small passenger elevators. Joseph Zito and Gaspar Mortolero were the two elevator operators because back then they had elevator operators. And what does that entail? Like he, they just they push just, the buttons? They, well, I think back then it was like a lever. Ah, uh, yeah. And maybe they were like more where you had to control it from inside of it. Okay. As opposed maybe to like how automated they are today. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Like they might control the speed and whatnot. Um, but yeah, they cool had, job. that'd be kind of cool. Have you ever been in an elevator with, that had an operator? 
No. I don't think I ever have no. either. Mm-mm. Except for myself. Right. Well, I've yeah. operated the elevator yeah. for other people. But I guess you've always been in, in an elevator that had an operator. Yeah. Technically, when working for a certain sandwich company, Jimmy John's, not a sponsor, uh, when I would work and like, go deliver in hospitals, I would be an operator for other people because I would just stand next to the, What number would you like? Because, you know, if I'm going to the top, other people are on there with me. They got to get off first. So fast so or free. Other, yep. Other people mm-hmm. have had me as an elevator operator. Right. Oh, I've been the elevator operator for other people. Dude, like whenever somebody gets on, you're like, what floor? Yeah, you just press the button. You just, you're, you're the elevator. You right? hold the door. And you, then you ask for a tip. <laughs> right. You go like this. You don't ask. You do like in Home Alone 2 where you just rub your hands together, <laughs> your fingers. And, and get that look that Rob Schneider gets. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've held the door for, open for people. You'll either get a tip or you'll get chewing gum. That red, that striped shit. And then when you don't want it the second time, he's going to give you money, a lot of money. And you're just like, I'm so st- I should have just taken the gum. Like, I like gum. I was, he was actually eating the gum the second time he was asking for it. If you remember, like, the yeah, movie. he was like, no tip needed. I'm, I'm already, oh, yeah, he did. I'm yeah, that's sh- right. He did say that. Yeah. <laughs> you did remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, so those two guys, uh, they were able to save many lives by continually going back up to the ninth floor despite the fire and the personal danger and allowing as many people as they could fit on the elevator to bring them to safety. However, in their panic, some of the victims eventually pried open the doors to the shaft and jumped onto the tops of the elevators, disabling them and preventing th- uh, further escape that way. Yeah. But over, but I mean, you can't blame them. They're in a room with this burning up. Mm-hmm. Over a hundred people were saved by those elevator operators. So to Joseph Zito and Gaspar Mortallaro, we say, you're, you're a hero, buddy. buddy. There was a single exterior fire escape, which city officials had allowed Ash to erect instead of the required third staircase, but it was so flimsy and poorly anchored that it soon buckled under the weight of its occupants, dropping about 20 victims 100 feet to their deaths on the pavement below. They were the first, but they wouldn't be the last. So, I like, I just let me tell you this. You said allowed Ash to erect inside instead? Mm-hmm. Man. I like that line right there. Yeah. Because usually you erect from the ashes, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like a phoenix. Right. I'm just letting you know. Here they're they're erecting their own uh, demise. So how many people are in this? Which which I'm about to get into. Fucking building. Because 80 people escaped via a ladder from the roof. It's a a New York. It's a block. I mean, well, maybe not a block. It's a big high rise in New York. So it's a lot of people. Three floors were the people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Three floors were the people. And they were elbow to elbow. Can't and can't like and mostly on the ninth floor they were. And I have no idea how their operations work, but the a general impression I got is that they did the cutting on the eighth floor, the sewing on the ninth floor. So in the ninth floor they were really packed in, which makes it all the worse that the ninth floor didn't get any advance notice of the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. And then the sense. tenth floor had all the executives and all the made it, secretaries right? and administrators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. they all went up to the roof. Okay, and climbed. Ladders onto the next building, apparently. And by the way, NYU now owns the building that is, I think it's now called the Brown Building. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I expect some it's kind no of. no longer the Ash Building. I expect some kind of like sewer backup damage to happen soon or something then. Stop naming your building stuff that could happen to it. Yeah. Name it the Super Awesome Building, like the Never Gonna, That's a, never gonna Fall Down Building. No, 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 you're just, you're asking for it if you, if you name it that. I guess so, yeah. And people make fun of you if it does fall down and you don't want that. It's embarrassing. 
So the building, which which to reiterate was a new building and should have had all of the latest fire safety features, had no fire sprinklers, even though they did exist at the time. I and I wow. wasn't sure about that. I was like, I would have thought that was later. Mm-hmm. But no, they had fire sprinklers at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, stair the staircases were only two and a half feet wide. Ugh, that's crazy. So I looked up a little bit about New York City um, buildings and their fire codes now. Mm-hmm. Every building has to have fireproof stairs built inside of them now. Like you got to right. make your stairwells fireproof. Or when I see fire escapes, you think about New York and movies and shit like that. And they're just stairs. And then there's like what an extending ladder that comes down to the ground. Or Are something? you talking about exterior yeah. fire stairs? That, yeah. The, the ones that you yeah. see on. Every, yeah. They just everywhere. put some flimsy bullshit on this. They're just trying to save money. That's why they didn't bother to buy sprinklers. They didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I think at this time there was a code, a fire code, I think, but like it was not enforced. It was based like it's hard to, I didn't look into it in detail, Yeah, but it seemed like they were allowed to get away with this without any trouble from the city officials. Okay. Um, even though like a lot of these things were recommended or whatever, but, and they also had inward opening doors despite it being well-known by this point how dangerous that is. Mm. And furthermore, as showcased by the confused and uncoordinated reaction of all the employees on every floor of the company, there was no fire escape plan and no fire escape drills were ever held because owners Blank and Harris would not allow the interruption in work. God. So they're like they're like the fat cat, like, mm-hmm. like when you think of like the evil capitalist yeah, like wearing the top hat and the fucking, like the fucking penguin or something you're like save all the clothes, throw the clothes out the window. By this time, women began appearing on the window ledges and the gathering crowd below implored them to hold out until the firefighters arrived and arrived. They did, but then fate showed her dark sense of humor. Once again, the firefighters ladders only reached the sixth floor, 30 feet below the beleaguered women. There was nothing the firefighters could do to save them. Soon the victims were faced with the sadly familiar Hobson's choice, burn to death or jump to death. At first, the thousands of onlookers that had gathered by this point believed the owners were throwing out bundles of cloth from the windows, presumably to, to protect their inventory. Huh. However, wow. however, when one of the bundles opened up upon hitting the ground to reveal a pair of legs, the horror of what they were actually seeing set in. William Gunn Shepard, a reporter at the tragedy, would say, I learned a new sound that day. A sound more horrible than description can picture. The thud of a speeding living body on a stone sidewalk. And then he took a long drag from his cigarette. <laughs> and he said, I might have caused this with a cigarette. Fuck. And then he flicked the cigarette and walked off. And started with his fire hands next in his door. pockets. <laughs> and he's kind of hunched over in a, in a long coat, in a trench coat. <laughs> Many of the girls jumped together. Some of them were melted together. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God! I don't think I read that part of the script. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that shocked me just now. Melted together yeah. like Siamese I twins. Think, I think they were holding on to each other and waited so because I mean they wanted like last to the last moment where they just couldn't take the flames anymore. Wait a second, is this how Siamese twins were invented? No. Okay. Some crashed with such force that they actually went through the pavement. Goodness One eyewitness. Gracious. Recounted one eyewitness recounted seeing a young man help the women up to the window ledges as though he were helping them into a car, quote, instead of eternity. <laughs> well, it's a cement car down below. You, uh, well, it, he's helping you, 
into into Charon's <laughs> fucking <laughs> into the boatman's uh, f- fucking ferry to cross the river Styx. So in a way, Man. he is helping you into yeah. a car. Another <laughs> eyewitness. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, this is a situation where you did not want to pencil, right? Like remember last week, the guy survived by penciling into. No, I think you still want to pencil into I the think- cement. Just yeah, in case. really, you're you're gonna fucking you're gonna die. I wonder, like, you're up like a hundred feet in the air. Yeah, I wonder if they would have thrown the garments out for real, and just anything softer than the fucking concrete. If they would just thought to do that at first, what would have happened? Or, you know, would not have made it. Would not have made a difference. What if they they were they were hitting the ground so hard they were crashing through the fucking ground? Right. What if they all put on their biggest dresses and tried to float down? That wouldn't work. No, they they. <sighs> Oh, they were making shirts. Never mind. If they had tied a bunch of shit together and tried to create a rope, now you might be onto something. But it's what are you going to anchor it to? Everything in that room is on fire, and the rope's going to burn up to the fire itself. No, No. it doesn't work that way, bud. Stump me. You stump me. All right, we ready to move on? (laughs) Another eyewitness stated as follows: Horrified and helpless, the crowds, I among them. Looked up at the burning building, saw girl after girl appear at the reddened windows, paused for a terrified moment, and then leaped to the pavement below to land as mangled bloody pulp. This went on for what seemed a ghastly eternity. Occasionally, a girl who had hesitated too long was licked by pursuing flames and, screaming with clothing and hair ablaze, plunged like a living torch to the street. Life nets held by the firemen were torn by the impact of the falling bodies. The emotions of the crowd were indescribable. Women were he- women were hysterical. Scores fainted. Men wept as, in paroxysms of frenzy, they hurled themselves against the police lines. Ultimately, more than 90 people jumped to their deaths. The last body fell 18 minutes after the fire started. In all, 146 people, 123 women and girls, and 23 men perished in the fire. Or as a result of the fire. My God, that description was, yeah, so good. Yeah, and so is vivid. that not? Yeah, is that, was, is that like you can wow. just see that scene? Like people were freaking out yeah. watching this and just stepping into the window and being like, "I don't want to do this, but I don't like want to burn they had to death." No, like they were, they really were God waiting damn. to the last moment to where they were just getting burned, and they had to jump because it was. God. They just felt like, oh. I guess, in that moment, it's like, "Fuck it, this this hurts too much to stay right here." It's basically like standing in an oven. Uh, it's just like fuck it you're gonna it's, basically it's a hobbit's choice because you're gonna die it's just how are you gonna die you you're you're in this situation do you jump or yeah, do you burn I, 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 do you try to inhale smoke and maybe pass out I, yeah because I mean heights really freak me me the too fuck out. me I mean, too really that would be do. really terrible for me that'd be such a and, but burning alive also would be a, I don't like, like that you're right yeah god what a god man that's when you're, you gotta, you're, you're accepting what's happened to you. Like the, that's it for you. Yeah. And I, I think, oh man, I think maybe jump and I think you close your eyes, jump and jump hold your nose. And like you're going just like, just, just like pray. try to land on your back so that you yeah, just I, I go think out my back quick. too. Yeah. God, Cause you ain't going to survive that shit. Yeah. Uh, that is tough. That is tough to put yourself in that place and think about that. Cause you just. It almost makes you think like, would you rather see this seems worse to me than if 
I were on um, in the World Trade Center, like way, way up high. Yeah. So I feel like there's more time for you to pass out. Yeah. Or black out in that time. Maybe it'd be worse. Maybe you're a lot. You're conscious the whole time. But I feel like you wouldn't be. I, I feel like you would probably falling for that long. If you didn't pass out, you probably have cardiac arrest because right. you're just probably. In you know you're yeah, in utter panic. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, yeah, that has to be, but here horrifying. it's not long enough for you to totally like, you're going to like, you're going to hit cause it's only within it's, seconds. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's high. It's high enough to kill you. Like it's definitely too high for you to survive, Barely. but it ain't that it ain't so high. I know it's God. And the ladder's only reached a six, four. Yeah. I mean that uh, I might try to jump, jump and try to aim, aim for the ladder. Or I mean, the, that's your only chance. The truck itself. Like it, maybe you can survive if you, no, you no way. Yeah, not from I mean, if you land on the, if you land on the truck, you're gonna fucking die. Not unless you're my guy from that other story where he just penciled in the back, but only one person would be able to survive. Because I mean, the next person that penciled in on top of you, you. But these, <laughs> I mean, well, these vehicles are are made of fucking like steel. Yeah. Although I don't even know what they what what fire trucks in 1911 looked like. They might have been fucking horse drawn for all I know. Did he try to jump on the horses? No, just just destroy you. Fucking uh, you'll break the horse in two you would they would break the horse in two and send the body and clap each other yeah. like it's like, ass and like, head would clap. like when jason freddie versus jason <laughs> that's fucking horrifying when, God, he, ta- when he tacoed that dude in, <laughs> in the bed i yeah yeah what a jason what a rough time the next day hundreds were in line to view the bodies to see if their loved ones had perished Though it was difficult for them to identify them based on how badly they were burned. Many were identified only through an item of clothing or jewelry um, because their features were unrecognizable. Jesus. Seven bodies ultimately went unclaimed. The city did not want them to become martyrs for the cause of workers' rights and so wanted to quietly bury them in a plot in Brooklyn. However, labor leaders were outraged. So on that same day, April 5th, a rainy day, the unions led over 100,000 people through the streets of Manhattan in a symbolic funeral for all who had perished in the fire. As the solemn procession came within sight of the Ash Building, many wailed bitterly over the tragedy in what one reporter described as, quote, the most impressive expression of human grief ever heard in the city. Damn, dude. That's fucked up, man. The city wanted to... It made him look even worse in the end. They should have just yeah. accepted it. It's just, like, damn. Well, again, this is a Gilded Age mentality. Yeah. It's like they don't... They don't they just want to like they that's how they handle this shit yeah. like they're Sad. very like like lack of compassion like and just wanted to like forcefully cuz i mean that's one thing i didn't get into when they when they went on strike in 1909 to 1910 the police were brutal in their treatment of them like like, like these were women they're like just beating the shit out of them like they're they're just extremely they're rough people back then yeah they're from that in that age and gilded yeah that mm-hmm. gilded age yeah. max blank so max blank and isaac harris or ike harris uh were charged and tried for manslaughter with the locked door being a particular item of contention in the trial but they were found not guilty on of all course. counts in less than two hours yeah of course moreover they actually made money as a result of the tragedy yeah. as the company was insured and the insurance company paid them about sixty thousand more than their reported losses However, upon leaving the co- the courthouse after their acquittal, they had to duck into a subway tunnel to avoid the wrath of the victims' families. And I wish they would have gotted their asses too, but man, fuck that, fuck those and two that's, dudes. And that's and that's the story of a burning triangle of fire. 
and they still commemorate it to this day. The shirt waist. They had a, they had a big of. one on like in 2011 on the 100th anniversary um, where they all had like uh, banners with that were in the shape of shirt waists and had the ladies' names written like like in a sash across the, the shirt waist. That's nice. Yeah. That's a nice way to remember them. Yeah. And one more, uh, Fanny Lansner uh, was a four person of, on the ninth floor. And despite having the opportunity to escape herself, she refused to go instead guiding other girls to safety until there was no longer any means of escape. She then leapt from the window and died on the pavement. But to Fanny Lansner, we say, you're, you're a, a hero, hero buddy. buddy. Just want to make sure we got that. That miscellaneous bit in there. I want to give another miscellaneous right, fact. Go for it. That sixty thousand dollars they overpaid them, the insurance. Yeah, that is one point seven million dollars today. So that's a lot of money back then. They, I just want to point that out. They made they, an extra the on owners, top of it. The owners wound up making more and a lot more per deceased person than the deceased people's families. Oh, I hope they got it. I don't know how they died, but I hope they fucking went like what they were getting per person. Ooh. Oh, you know what really gets my goat? <laughs> when motherfuckers like this get this away is, with shit. This was an age, yeah, like I'm saying, that's why unions and workers' movements and all that came about is in response to this kind of treatment. Man, dude, fuck these people. <laughs> God almighty. Hey, you got to think about workers' rights today too, buddy. I know. Um, we We need more. We need more. Yeah, um, what was it, Brooklyn, or I think it was Brooklyn or Queen. I can't remember. Some one of the boroughs in New York. Mm-hmm. They just unionized um, Amazon, and oh, yeah. boy, oh boy, did they not like that. And they went over there to try to get the dude who organized it arrested on fake charges and all kinds of shit. It's just like it's yeah. so bizarre. You're a multi-billion-dollar company, and workers have workers have to protect the themselves. Have to be have to be able to protect themselves. Because their employers are not going to do it. They have a different interest. It's it's weird. I don't know how like somebody doesn't go, I made this billion dollar company because people do shit for me. They work for, they do the things. They drive to the houses. They sort the boxes. They go find the products and all this right. shit. But fuck them. Right. And that's so bizarre they are the, They're how this whole thing fucking works. Yeah. Right. But also they've never been one of those people, so they don't give a fuck. So, well, mother well they, they see those people as a cost. They would like to yep. um, reduce or eliminate. Yep. So they, as much as they can um, automate things, mm-hmm. they'll do that. Uh, cut hours, skeleton shifts, yep. that sort of thing. Yep. Um, they're, they, they're, it's not in their interest to, to care about the, like, the life, work-life yeah. balance and, and the well-being oh, no. of their employees. Yeah. Um, so the employees have to have their own means of ensuring that. Yeah. That's where the union comes in. Yeah. And somebody out there might be saying right now, but Josh, the drivers get paid well, don't they? Fuck no, they do not. Not for what they have to do. I was a driver for Amazon for three day, two days and I quit. I still can't believe that if you finished your routes, instead of letting you go home, they, but okay. they would give you somebody else's fucking extra work. It's like, what the fuck? So when you go there, they give you no incentive to no. go fast. Exactly right. When you go there, they say you come in at seven o'clock in the morning and you go until your route's done. You go home no matter how early that might be. My first day, because I was training, I got a small route. I drove from seven thirty in the morning until about one o'clock. And um, 
the boss call the guy riding with me calls his boss and is like, Hey, Josh is done. What do you want us to do? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, they, these motherfuckers said I could go home and get paid for the whole day. That was like the thing. Like right. you get the, you get, first of all, $15 an hour ain't shit. You have to, you have, you have points deducted from your everyday. Th- if you don't, for instance, if the car starts to go, if your car starts to go and then you decide to put on the belt, the seatbelt points deducted, like you carry this thing with you on um, this little, they call it a rabbit and it shows you your route, but it also detects like all these things they've programmed into it. It's, it's like they're watching you 24 seven. It's yeah, absolutely fuck annoying. Fuck that shit. Um, when it's raining, you know, none of the shit matters. Rain, dogs, and you encounter all this shit. Streets that are about as wide as the the whole van that you're driving. Right. And double backing, like, like having to double back was, that's what pushed me over the fucking edge. Because I just, it's like, why is the GPS doing this to me? I would, I would pass a house. I would go down to where it's telling me. And it would say, oh, yeah, the other one's behind you now. And these streets are too small to turn around in. Right. I just, that was it for me, dude. And then they forced you to go to lunch and you're just like, I just want to work through my lunch and go fuck home. Right. So anyways, just like you said, I was done early. They put me, they told me to go rescue this person. And so I went and took some boxes from them and worked till five o'clock the next day. The same exact thing happened. Yeah. So I quit anyways, turned my hat and my fucking, my Boeing looking shirt in fucking quit. And they gave you shorts too, which was, I thought was weird, but that's fine. Did you keep your shorts? I kept the shorts. I didn't like them, but I don't. I don't wear them. But I don't. I was like, they probably don't want these back. My ass was in them. So <laughs> I probably don't want this back. What did he say when you're like, I'm not coming back? He was like, um, he's like, well, I really wish you would. Um, you know, we really like you. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't. Were you like, I don't like you, dude. motherfucker? You lied to me. Well, I didn't did you say, say that. that? To him. No, he was actually a really nice guy, but I just did like, you I'm slap not, him across the face. This. Say thanks for wasting my yeah, time, buddy. I slapped him because he said he said something about alopecia. <laughs> I don't fuck around with alopecia. He made a GI Jane two joke. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, so that was it. Fuck, fuck Amazon and um and to bring it back full circle. Obviously, they still treat people like this as they did back in the shirtwaist factory. So that's yeah, that was the whole point of that story. Oh, now Amazon, <laughs> yeah. now Amazon, Amazon's got these fucking commercials where they're like, yeah. Whether you're here for a season or a lifetime, we're gonna take care of you. Like, they don't care. They don't take care of you at all. They don't bullshit. care. Bullshit. I guarantee you, they spend more money on advertising than they do giving raises out. They spend more money on advertising doing get, paying people a little fucking living wage. Period. Mm-hmm. They had to unionize just so they can in New York so they can make more than fifteen dollars an hour. Like, give me a fucking break. Fifteen dollars an hour down here is different than fifteen dollars an hour in New York. Yeah, up there it's it like goes it would be like seven dollars yeah, an hour. Or something. It goes nowhere down here. It does it does a little bit, but it's still not much. I still couldn't do shit on for fifteen dollars an hour. Thirty grand a year pre taxes. That ain't that's jack shit. That's nothing. That's, path- that's pathetic. And I'm sorry if you make that. I'll cut this out. I no, no, no. I mean, it's not. A, it's not. A, it's not meant as an insult towards those people. It's no. Just, that's a that's a very low wage. To do what you have to do there, it's a low wage. That's gonna be it today for the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. What was it called? Shit. Um, a burning triangle of fire. Yeah, that one. The triangle with the shirtwaist. You know, let me try that again. Okay. A burning triangle of fire. The shirtwaist factory inferno. You know what? Let me yeah. say. Let me try it again. A burning triangle of fire. The Shirtwaist Factory Inferno. There it is. That's the one. Okay. Thank you so much, all the mobsters out there, for listening to that today. We had fun making that one. Um, 
the Patreon episode, the unedited episode is uh, out of control. So mm-hmm. you, should, you should probably listen to that Hop one. Hop on then. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Keep reviewing. Keep sharing. Keep telling people. If you want free stickers, all you got to do is review us. We'll send you a sticker pack. It's like five or six stickers at this point. I mean, come on. Come on. If you want some stickers, let's go. Dope ass stickers. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you have anything to tell us, email us at macabod1 at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Follow us we on start socials. collecting enough, we'll start doing, uh, like, uh, listener stories, yeah. emails. We, we, we sure will. Mailbag. Yep. And if you want to see the pictures associated with every story, just follow us on Instagram. Yeah, They're pictures on there. of the, the Triangle Ways company, yep. their sign on the building. Yep. And all that stuff. You're gonna see that. You and what if depending on what I can find, you might see some other stuff. So we'll see what happens. Ooh, that's a lot of C's. Just whatever quick Google search will find. <laughs> whatever Google will let me download from their images and put on Instagram and Facebook. That's what you'll see. But uh thank you guys for sticking with us. Um we the numbers are still going up. We love you. We love all of you. Yep, thank you everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um till next time, be safe out there. Be careful not to find yourself in your own. Macabre reality. Bye-bye.